Hi, my name is Matt Locke and this is the Everyday Athlete Podcast. The podcast for the everyday athletes around the world who refuse to be average and who want to create a legacy of health, fitness and achievement in every aspect of their life. I'm glad you're here and once again it's time to forge your future. Melissa Wu, welcome back to the Everyday Athlete Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you back. Thanks for having me. And uh, for those who haven't yet listened to the first episode with you, and if you haven't uh, and you're listening now, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to an amazing story that's Melissa's life so far that uh, saw her at the Beijing Olympics and leaving with a silver medal at, uh, in Beijing, which is incredible. But just in case someone hasn't listened to that, just Melissa, could you just give us a short, a short version of who you are, please? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I've been diving for about 18 years now. I've been to three Olympic Games, four Commonwealth Games, and I've won an Olympic silver medal. Basically started competing internationally from the age of 13 and went to my first Olympics when I was 16. And yeah, still going all these years. Yeah, pretty doing pretty well and basically still trying to give it my best shot for Tokyo, which will now be in Tokyo 21. 2021. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I had to think as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> no, thank you. And, and an amazing career so far. And I look forward to seeing how you go in Tokyo next year. We will we'll all be watching. Oh, fingers crossed. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, I mean, we, we spent quite a bit of time talking about your, your career so far. And during that conversation, it came out that um, at some point you moved from Brisbane to Sydney, needed a change. And I'm not sure if you're aware, I mean, certainly we as, you know, we as a, a company, the Bay Games, um, we're closely aligned now with uh, Are You OK here in Australia and the equivalent of Are You OK in about five other countries. And certainly a big push for us is around mental health, um, suicide prevention, um, which is very real uh, for many people in this world. And um, even if we haven't personally had a relative or friend suffer with it, then we know someone who has. That, that's the reality of it. Thankfully, there's a lot more awareness around it today. And with organisations like Are You OK?, and about starting a conversation and even giving support in, for people for how to have that conversation, uh, which is awesome. But we're doing our bit as much as we can and just trying to raise awareness as well. But the subject for this, this episode, as you and I talked about before, is around the subject of mental health. And we talked about the pressure, of course, you know, at such a young age, competing at such a, at the highest level. And you, you mentioned in there that when you started shifting away from synchro, synchro diving to individual competition, your words, you choked, you find that you were choking, the pressure was too much for you. Could you just expect, could talk to us a little bit about that if you're comfortable to do so? Just how, how that was, what you think was causing that and how you've gone about dealing with that and improving that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, from a young age, I've been pretty lucky because, yeah, not everyone gets, you know, paired with a good partner to be able to do synchro. But basically from the start of my career, I had, you know, a couple of really good synchro pairings and, had a lot of success there. So my silver medal at my first Commonwealth Games was in synchro. My silver medal at the Olympics was in synchro, even though they were with two different partners. Yeah, still synchro medals. But you were I, the common I'll, denominator, okay? I'll go with that. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, if, so I had a lot of success in that. But at the same time, I was still also competing in individual. But it took me a lot longer in individual to kind of you know, have good results there. So it was kind of a bit of a safety net when I was younger to compete in both events. And I always did like, okay, like not too bad in individual, but I never kind of did a comp where I, you know, put the, my best performance forward. And that 
wasn't because I wasn't capable. It's because, yeah, like I said, I, I put it down to, I guess, like choking and not having that person there with me to dive next to me. I always felt a lot more nervous going into individual competitions than I did in synchro competitions. And, yeah, I think it was, you know, I, I always felt when I competed in individual comps that, you know, already going in, I knew I didn't really believe in myself. And not that I wasn't confident. I think... I think I was confident, but I think having that real self-belief and knowing in yourself that, that you can do it, that's what I definitely was missing. And I think the more, you know, as I got older and, you know, I had the pressure put on me a little bit more, I really struggled a lot with that and, and always just felt, you know, a bit like I, I kept missing medals that I should have been able to win and I failed to meet expectations. And yeah, I showed a lot internally and I've always been a bit of like a kind of shy and reserved sort of person. So when I, as a younger kind of, or as a teen, yeah, it, it took its kind of toll on me and I ended up just feeling really bad about myself. And after my first Olympics, I, you know, moved to a different coach who didn't, you know, we didn't get along. He kind of, yeah, always, you know, found ways to kind of frustrate me and, and yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, miss school and things like that. And I felt like he was just, you know, doing it on purpose. And I ended up just, yeah, really unhappy, which is what kind of forced me to move to Sydney because I actually wanted to quit the sport. But yeah, actually, I, I had de- I had depression and, and anxiety. And yeah, for me, yeah, I just kind of felt a bit, bit stuck there in that point mm-hmm. in time, which was, yeah, um, a bit of a struggle. So yeah, in the years following, I had to work really hard to kind of get on top of that. Yeah, sure. I appreciate you sharing a very candid answer. Are you happy to talk about some of the strategies that have been put in place, uh, how you work on it? Because I know mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of people listening to this or, or watching this, they all, we all have our demons. Yeah, at the end yeah, of the day. Sure. Um, So asking for a friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, really, I mean, if you're willing to share just some of the actual strategies that you put in place that you have found useful and that have worked for you. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think like the number one thing that I had to do when I was in, you know, sort of a dark place was make that big decision to change, to do something different. So I was really unhappy with where I was. And like I said, I felt kind of a bit stuck there and and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get out of it. You know, I knew I wasn't feeling good mentally. I wasn't enjoying diving. So yeah, for me, it came down to, you know, moving to a different state when I was 17 years old, which was, yeah, a big move. And obviously my mum was not that happy with me leaving, you know, in the state that I was in. But yeah, I think that was really good of her to let me do that because it gave me a chance to kind of be out in the world on my own a bit and, you know, figure things out. And and that really helped. And, And I moved to Sydney and I've been training with the same coach since I've been here. And He's been awesome from the get-go and having him as a really good support for me was super helpful. So, yeah, I think that first step was just making like that, taking that actionable step that was going to, you know, help me to overcome things. And that was, you know, a physical kind of move. And then mentally, I think I basically, I had to work really hard to just see things differently. So even if I couldn't see myself differently, just kind of, stop having you know this narrow focused kind of mentality and just yeah appreciate the little things appreciate the opportunities that I had and and see the good things and be a bit more grateful and then kind of got to a point where I was you know I was happy in my life but you know my diving was still there's still something kind of missing there and it was good but you know it wasn't wasn't great and I still lacked that real kind of self-belief so even though you know mentally I'd made a lot of improvement you know it's there's still something I had to work on so yeah pretty much uh, would have been about maybe six years ago I started seeing a mindset coach and I've yeah been seeing him ever since and yeah he's um he's just he's 
kind of, I don't know, we just gel together. He's very positive and his whole, you know, everything that he does is based on a program that he created called the Boomerang Effect, which is basically what you put out is what you get back. And um, he was the first person that kind of make me, made me take responsibility, like for how I was feeling. Yeah, I guess, you know, in a nice way, basically, yeah, I couldn't make any excuses with him. I just, there was no option but to be positive. And yeah, I think like my family had, had always done that for me, but I think just having someone, you know, external kind of really helped me. And yeah, we've made a lot of progress over the years. And yeah, it, um, with him, I've been able to yeah, kind of start having that self-belief. And, and he first of all changed how I felt about myself. And then that had that flow and effect to, to diving and everything else I was doing. Oh, fantastic. It's great that you found him as a resource. Um, and yeah. you're welcome to give him a shout out if you'd like to. If, uh... Oh, yeah. So yeah, he's um, John Novak. So yeah, and John Novak, Boomerang Effect. That's him on Instagram. <laughs> I'm guessing he's Australian. Yeah, he, oh, he, he is. He's got, I don't know, his background is some sort of European <laughs> type thing. Right, but, but he's settled yeah. here, judging by the name of his, uh, his program. <laughs> yeah, oh, the Boomerang Effect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very Aussie. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> wild guess, yeah. Yeah, love it. But, um, no, very good. And out of interest, I mean, is uh, John's approach, is he a hypnotherapist or what is he? What's the basis so, yeah, he, so he used to be an athlete. He used to be a fighter. Then he's done, you know, I, I can't even name all the things that he's done. But, yeah, basically, you know, a lot of study. He was in politics and that kind of thing for a while as well. Oh. So he's, he's done a lot. But, yeah, basically he's put all his years of experience and research and, and working with people into creating, yeah, basically the boomerang effect. So, yeah, it's, it's all kind of based on, like I said, Putting, what you put out is what you get back. And even though it's pretty simple, it's all about um, positivity. And I think, yeah, you don't really realise sometimes, you know, how, how negative your outlook can be. And even though, you know, I've been working with him for six years, I still find the same thing. You know, I'm, you know, we'd be doing something like, why am I thinking about that? You know, like that. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just be positive. But um, it is really hard to do. And you kind of, yeah, condition yourself to always look for these negatives or all that kind of thing. So, yeah, basically there's a lot um, that goes into it. And, yeah, I've worked very closely with him in, yeah, basically overcoming all the things sort of personal to me, you know, and basically, yeah, just kind of acknowledging some of the things that I have, that I have done well and kind of building from the ground up from there and just trying to change, yeah, how I think about myself and, and what I'm doing. And then, yeah, that's kind of enabled me to, to get that real self-belief in me again. Sure. And would you say, given that um, the Bay Games audience is, you know, we're, we're all about everyday athletes, uh, a mindset coach is really only for the elite athletes? Or if, if we had someone who was a competitive everyday athlete, then a mindset coach is something or someone you would recommend? Yeah, for sure. Because like I said, most of the things that we worked on were for number one, to, to help me first as a person. And, th and those things helped me in all aspects of my life. So not just my sporting, you know, career, but everything else. And like what happened for my whole life, if, if you don't have that number one thing, you know, right and correct, no matter what you do, no matter how many hours I trained or how many, whatever I did in diving, because I didn't have that first, I couldn't compete to the best of my ability. Sure. I couldn't, couldn't get the best out of myself, both in and out of the pool. So, yeah, I would really recommend yeah, anything, you know, he's, he's awesome. But yeah, any strategy that, that you find helps. Sometimes, yeah, it's not, it doesn't always have to be about, you know, the sport or being an athlete or, you know, the things that you're, that you're doing and you want to excel at. Sometimes, yeah, just peeling back those layers and trying to find a way to be like happy, healthy, they're, they're the main things.
Well, it's the foundation, isn't it? Yeah, That's exactly. The, the inner self is the foundation for everything we do, the way we interact with people, the way we perform in any aspect of our life. And no, no doubt about it. Now, um, obviously, uh, you know, to compete at the level you have and do, uh, obviously, it's super focused, very, very dedicated um, and disciplined. Now, I know um, you in 2014, you suffered a tragedy in your family. And I just, um, yeah, would be interested to hear how you managed both for yourself and your family to get through that. Um, and still continue to compete and have that sort of focus for the sport and, and everything else. Um, if you're happy to share that with us. Um. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, obviously that's, you know, the number one worst thing that's happened to me and I think it, it always will be. Yeah, it's it's been a, a real struggle for my family and it still is and people say that, you know, time time heals all wounds but yeah, I actually disagree with that. I think it, it almost gets worse over time actually. <laughs> But yeah, for us, like I said uh, in our previous podcast, my family has always been like a real tight knit family, and um, we're a pretty big family, and and we've always supported each other, you know, to get through no matter what. And and that situation was no different. And yeah, it kind of brought us closer together. But we haven't found a way to, I guess, you know, overcome it. I don't really think. Well, maybe you know, everyone has their view, but. Me personally, I don't feel like there's a way to, to overcome it. You just kind of learn how to live with it. And, yeah, and then just learning to live with it gets a little easier maybe. Yeah, sure. For the, for, for the listener, um, because I, I only stated the year, I didn't actually say what happened. So um, mm. Kirsten, your sister, took her life in 2014. And mm. is she your older or younger sister? Younger. She was younger. One year younger, yeah. Right, okay. So that, that's what we're alluding to and what we're just mm-hmm. talking about. And obviously desperate, sorry. Uh, for your loss but um, certainly how, how you handled it as you said you're a close-knit family yeah it, it was you know we couldn't really imagine you know yeah life was never going to be the same and and literally in those you know kind of that month or so after I just couldn't do anything I couldn't you know I couldn't live life anymore I didn't know sure. you know what to do how to do it you know and just that feeling is like someone like like someone crushing your heart constantly and like or you try and do something normally and all of a sudden like something would just take your breath away and, and it would hit you like all over again so yeah basically for my family and I, we we all decided it was probably about a month to just go back to our sport and yeah just kind of be around people again and try and get some kind of a routine and bit bits of you know kind of more, yeah a bit of a distraction yeah. and um something so yeah that was actually really helpful for us and i think in that regard um having our sport actually kind of helped us and yeah it's not that it helped us to get yeah basically it's helped us to get through it or yeah learn to live with it rather than overcoming it i still think we haven't really figured out how to do that but yeah the more the more i was at training the more i kind of enjoyed it and i guess i learned to appreciate it again um, like all over again, is it something that, that I enjoyed and something to help distract me and take my mind off things and give me that routine. And yeah, and then because, you know, I had that long career as, as, a, as an athlete, I, yeah, it kind of just, it took me a while actually to kind of get back into it. But yeah, I just kind of kept striving for the next thing, next thing, next thing, which then spurred me on to, you know, get to the Olympics and that kind of thing. But actually, I struggled a lot physically when I first went back to it. And I, I lost a bit of weight, which I'm, I'm not like a big person. So 
yeah, a few kilos for me is, is a lot and kind of changed my whole sort of body shape and everything. So yeah, I struggled with power and just, it was, I can't even explain it. It was weird. I just felt like heavy when I was rotating and it didn't mm. feel right for a long time. So sure. it took me a long time to kind of get that back to normal, which is yeah, something I just, you know, couldn't understand no matter how hard I tried, it just didn't work. And I knew it was like, you know, and, and just an emotional kind of thing and just everything. But um, yeah, eventually, yeah, it all kind of, started clicking again and yeah just kind of reset my goals and kept working towards the next thing and the next thing and and getting back to trying to get the best out of myself sure absolutely oh thank you for sharing and of course um Kirsten's name obviously her memory lives on for all of you but her name lives on which is where you alluded to hardcore strength which is uh, a business that you've co-founded is that with your brother yeah it is yeah yeah, yeah. Give him a shout out if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, so my brother's um, Josh Wu. He's a weightlifter. He's also a weightlifting coach um, for anyone who's interested. Um, yeah, we basically, we started Hardcore Strength together. It's H-R-D-K-A-W. So the K-A-W is Kirsten's initials, Kirsten Amelia Wu. And yeah, we basically, yeah, dedicate our business. Well, it's, it's in her name and she, she loved baking. She wanted to have a bakery called, you know, Hardcore Cakes or whatever she wanted to call it. And she wanted to have it on a number plate and everything. So... We kind of stole it, I guess. No, I, I don't yeah. think she'd mind somehow. She probably wouldn't mind, yeah. So it's good. It's good to have, you know, part of her as part of our business. And, yeah, we, we always love keeping her close to our heart, which is also why the Havoc, um, my other business, is spelled H-A-V-O-K. So we kept the K yeah, yeah. that too so yeah so she kind of she lives on in all of us and i know she's watching over us all the time i'm sure yeah. and uh, <laughs> the uh, the strap line be fierce be humble be kind mm-hmm. was that associated with kirsten as well that did that kind of speak to who she was or is that more um, about the two of you i think it's it's kind of everything it's like yeah because we are such a close family it is kind of what josh and i are about but yeah our whole family are very similar um you know with our values and things that are important to us. So, yeah, I think that those things definitely, yeah, also like explain exactly what the kind of person that Kirsten is. But, yeah, it's also kind of a whole family thing as well. Yeah, sure. That's, that's great. And uh, whereabouts are you based? Where is Hardcore? So we are based, we have a, basically like a garage gym, which I'm sitting in at the moment. So it's quite well equipped. And, yeah, we also so we run out of here, but we also... It looks it in the background, certainly. Yeah, yes. you can kind of <laughs> see it over here. So, yeah. That's, that's the gym. And we also, my brother also coaches out of CrossFit 2147. So he coaches his weightlifting club out of there. And also he started an Ollie for Kids weightlifting program for, you know, kids aged about three to 10 years old. Wow. Um, so yeah, kind of operate out of both at the moment. Fantastic. Well, you, you're certainly all keeping busy. <laughs> yeah. Great. It's the only way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Exactly. And uh, certainly uh, we're all looking forward to getting the COVID-19 pandemic under control for the good of everyone, including ourselves. So we can I know. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. So the, uh, what you're waiting to release your, uh, your next range of Havoc athletic clothing, and it's, um, are you waiting because you can't get it out of China? I, I assume it's coming from China. Yeah, it, it is. No, I can. I think they're back to, they're all back to normal now. But just here, I thought I'd wait because, yeah, everyone's, you know, kind of stuck at home. And yeah, um, sure. just, yeah, yeah. not, not the best. Because I'm, I'm a fairly new business, I just thought it would be better, better to wait a little bit longer. Sure. And then when everyone's kind of coming out of, out of their home training gyms, it'll give them something to look forward to, some nice new gear. 
Um, there and yeah, it just gives me a bit more time as well to kind of bring out things, you know, with, um, yeah, the best quality and, and everything for the next collection. I was yeah. kind of gutted that you've sold out of the burger t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that one went first. One of the other companies had uh, donuts on some shorts and they sold out like that. So it's yeah. Donuts, what's going on? Oh, can't, can't say no to food, hey? <laughs> Love it. No, no, very good. Um, Melissa, thank you again for your time, absolutely, uh, and, and for sharing some very personal details there. I really appreciate it. It's been lovely chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Thanks again. And, um, if people want to reach out and get in touch with you or find out more about Havoc or Hardcore, uh, for sure I'll put all of the links in the, uh, the show notes. But if they want to reach out to you personally, what's the easiest way to do that? Yeah, so personally, they can probably Instagram's the best. You can DM me. My Instagram's at Melissa Page Wu. Uh, so yeah, you can either send me a message to there or my email's also at the top or in my bio there as well. Fantastic. And as I say, I'll, I'll make sure all of the different links are, uh, are in the show notes so that people can easily find their details. But thank you once again. And awesome, um, thank you. we'll speak before then, but we'll look forward to watching you uh, in Tokyo. Hopefully. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Well, there you have it. Thanks very much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this, please go ahead and leave a review. It helps more than you know. And if you think that one of your training buddies would also enjoy this, go ahead and share it with them right now. Thank you once again. And until next time, train smart and train safe.